Destination Eat Drink is up next. But first, listen to this great other show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <clears throat> A lot of anchors do that. <clears throat> Are you ready? Ah, oh, boy. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. That Let's do good. it again. What? That was good. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I need an agent. A fried bread called Longosh, Hungarian moonshine, and suitcases full of paprika. This week, we're in Budapest, Hungary. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we explore a different city and tell you all the best places to eat and drink there and cool things to do. And this week, it's Budapest, Hungary. We're going to be trying chocolate cake, mango ice cream, sampling all the street food at the Central Market. But first, let me remind you to subscribe to Destination Eat Drink wherever you get podcasts. We're on all the usual suspects, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, Stitcher, and of course, at RadioMisfits.com. I've also archived all the episodes on my website, DestinationEatDrink.com. Well, this episode was a real coincidence. Last week, I spoke with my friend Melinda about Vienna, Austria, and during the podcast, she mentioned how people often combine Vienna with Budapest on their vacations. And as luck would have it, my friend Esther Vaja, who's from Budapest, had just returned from there. Esther dropped me a note, and we were talking, and she asked if I wanted to do Budapest on the podcast. And I said, of course. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might remember Esther from episode 18. That was an episode we talked about Sicily, because Esther is from Budapest, but she's lived in Sicily for several years, and she runs the Sicilian tour company You, Me, and Sicily with her partner, Alfred. They also have a great web series by the same name. So, we talk Budapest with Esther, some things Budapest and Sicily have in common, and what's new in Sicily for 2020. So let's talk with Esther Vaja of You, Me, and Sicily. Destination, eat, drink. Esther, you just got back from Budapest. Tell us, how was your trip and what fun things did you do while you were there? Hi, Brent. Happy New Year. And thank you so much for having us on again. You're a great podcast. And yeah, so just came back from Hungary. And let me tell you, Budapest has one of the best Christmas markets I've ever seen. It's been voted one of the best in Europe, but definitely one of the best I've ever seen. The entire downtown on uh, the Pest side is filled with vendor after vendor selling all types of street foods, all types of Christmas ornaments, Christmas gifts, um, music every day. Um, I was uh, staying near um, the Basilica of St. Stephen, and every night there was some kind of a light show on the Basilica with music. Uh, there was ice skating for children, really a destination spot, I would say, for the month of December. 
But let me tell you about the street foods, okay? So, excellent. you know, street foods it can be eaten, you know, street foods, but these are also incredibly popular um, foods that are eaten every day by everyday Hungarians. And so there was, of course, everyone knows about the goulash. And yes, there was plenty of goulash, uh, plenty of halasle, which is uh, fisherman soup. Uh, that is very typical uh, all year round. A lot of restaurants, that's one of their specialty, and that's made with uh, uh, all types of fish from the river. Um, and it's made outdoors. So, you know, we're talking street food. So they're cooking all that stuff right in front of you. It's really cool. Uh, there was plenty of langosh, which is fried dough. Yeah, talk about the langosh. The fried dough. Oh, my God. Deep fried flatbread. Yeah. And all the different toppings that well, you can have on it. So cool. So they're they're getting very creative. But the basic toppings that you get, it, you know, it's like a piece of dough that's fried and it, you know, comes a little bit thicker than, you know, than a pita, much thicker than a pita. It's very doughy. And you can put sour cream and cheese on it. Growing up, we had sour cream and garlic on it. Uh, you can put uh, some sweet things like Nutella. Oh, uh, they were putting things like salmon and um, salad and like some kind of a lettuce on there. So uh, you can also put powdered sugar. So that's another way that I grew up with. Um, but they're becoming very creative with all types of uh, toppings. But really, the plain fried dough is so delicious. So that's very typical as well. Um, of course, there was plenty of kielbasa, you know, what kielbasa and sal- salami. Sure. Uh, which is, you know, there's a lot of types of salami. There's the mountain salami. There's the winter salami. You can get the spicy salami. Also, a lot, a lot of dolto capo stuff, which is stuffed cabbage, and they were cooking it outside. And stuffed cabbage basically is, um, so it's a mixture of taking sauerkraut and then uh, fresh uh, cabbage leaves and you roll uh, ground meat inside of it and you cook it for a long time and it's a you know it has a little bit of a smoky it's not soury it has more of a smoky flavor a little bit soury as well there was plenty of uh, oh kurt you know what that is Brent no tell me that is like a sweet bread that's uh, so it's rolled into it like a cylinder like and it's um, so they cook it right in front of you and then they melt on sugar. So it's crispy oh, on I the outside. That. Yeah, crispy on the outside. And then it's a little bit doughy, but it's not very thick. And um, during the summer, I was there in the summer as well. They uh, served that with ice cream. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some places now we're just serving it plain, you know, because it comes out warm. And then you can put a little bit of Nutella in there. So let's talk about some of the other uh, foods that are popular. I didn't see any paprikas chirka, but you know what that is, right? During the street foods? Yes. Chicken ch- chicken paprika. What what about this uh, Hungarian crepe that I read about? Palacinta. Oh, yeah. Palacinta. So the way they were making that actually for street food. And so it's like a, a Hungarian style crepe. And so they, you know, it's a very thin piece of dough that they cook. And they they put a little bit like I grew up with like some kind of a ricotta and raisin 
and um, sugar filling and you mix it all together. And then what you do is you roll up the palachinta. So it, again, it becomes the cylinder like roll um, and then you bake it. The other way that you can do it is with a chocolate inside, like some kind of a uh, Nutella or chocolate creamy. And again, you roll it and then, you know, you make the crepe, you roll it and then you bake it again to make it nice and warm. And, and the chocolate is oozing from the outside. It's perfect. And then another way that you can make it, believe it or not, is with some kind of a ground meat. Oh, really? You know? Oh, so a savory, savory crepe. Yeah. So you can have a sweet kind or a savory kind, but that's, that's a really popular, um, Hungarian food. The other thing we haven't talked about are the sweets. Yes. What, what, so first off, let's talk about the Dobos tort. Oh my God. My all time favorite layered cake. Okay. <laughs> Describe <laughs> this to me, Esther. Oh my God. So like my mom used to make it growing up and she would do like, it would be a long process because she would make, you know, the 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 uh, dough, not the dough, but it's a cake. It's sort of like angel food cake, but not really. It's a cake, and you have to cut it really, really thin. The layers are very, very thin, and then you do another layer of chocolate cream, and you lay. You know, my mom used to do like six layers, and on top, this is the key. There's a crunchy, sugary topping. So you know, like you take sugar, and I guess you. Uh, boil it or make it into a liquid and then you uh, you let it sit and it becomes uh, crunchy. Almost like a hard candy. Exactly. And you put that as the top layer. And so that mix between the soft cake, the gooey chocolate, and then that crunch on top is an experience. Oh my God. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so gestenia pude. Gestenia pude is a, a, another big Hungarian um, dessert, which, by the way, I'm shocked that Italians don't have. And basically what that is is chestnut puree. Oh, chestnut, sure. Yeah, it should be an Italian dish. Maybe you'll have to introduce right? it to Sicily. Like, hello, we have chestnuts galore, just like in Budapest. Just like in Hungary. So what you, they do is they puree the chestnut and add like sugar and some other ingredients. They make it into, you know, a little dish and then to top it off, whipped cream. It's a must. Oh, <laughs> delicious. What, what other uh, desserts did your mom used to make for you when you were growing up that were your favorites, Esther? Oh, my gosh. Now I'm thinking back. I mean, you know... Something interesting um, for me coming uh, to Sicily and finding marzipan here. Growing up, I loved having marzipan. And I thought, always thought it was a Hungarian dessert, a okay. Hungarian uh, sweetness. But they have obviously plenty of marzipan um, here in Sicily too. But So marzipan is like an almond puree, right? It's an almond paste, excuse yes. me, an almond paste. And in, you know they make it into all different shapes. But growing up, my mom used to take the marzipan paste, roll it out into very thin, you know, a couple of layers and put some kind of a sweet white cream in it and roll it up again into a cylinder shaped uh, dessert. And on top of that, she used to take melted chocolate cream and then put it in the fridge. 
So again, you know, it would have that chocolate top layer and then the inside the sweet, uh, not too sweet, the chocolate. And then the inside, the matzipan is very, very sweet. It sounds like the street food culture is really, really vibrant in Budapest. Very. Sounds fantastic. Now, let me tell you one place that if people want a real street food experience and it's not during a festival or a holiday like you know, Christmas, is to go to the central market in Hungarian, it's Nordschadnok. There, it's three levels of stuff, okay? So three levels of not just, you know, booth after booth selling Hungarian handmade this, handmade that, uh, leather shops, this, knickknacks, you know, all types of stuff for you to buy, but also street food. A top level is all street food and you go one, one vendor and after another and, you know, they have your goulash, you have your, your stuffed, um, stuffed cabbage, you have your kalbasa galore, you have your chicken paprika galore and it's like one vendor after another. And on the, so that's on the second level. On the first level, there's a lot of, um, outdoor market. So selling fruits, vegetables, and the locals go there to buy some stuff too. So, you know, people selling wine, selling uh, typical Hungarian chocolates, you know, all types of liqueurs. And then on in the basement, it's very interesting. You've got uh, a lot of the more mom and pop selling, you know, anything from cabbage. Like there's this one lady that I go to every year, Maria, is her name. And I always take a picture with her because she has this like huge bowl of sauerkraut. (laughs) And the way she does it is, um, you know, like people, all the locals go there and you buy it in either like a a plastic uh, container or like a plastic bag. And what she'll do is take a scoop with her, you know, her gloves, pull it up, hold it up. and, And I take a picture and inevitably everyone's like, is that spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> so they're selling a lot of, you know, stuff like that. So the down thing there. I love to do, these food halls, these big food markets are popping up all over. And you know, they used to be this would be the farm what we would call a farmers market in the US. You'd go there, you'd buy your produce. But now, like you described, Esther, it's got all of these vendors who are selling prepared foods. And my favorite thing to do is to go to this food hall, buy a bunch of stuff for a picnic and then go somewhere nearby and just enjoy my meal and watch the city go by, watch the people. Is there a place, maybe a park or something I could go to in Budapest? Well, let me just tell you that going to this large market, you can grab a seat right there and watch the action. <laughs> okay. That, that, that's, that's the place, you know, that's the place to go hang out and watch people and, and look down, you know, and then sometimes they have music violinists, uh, quartets. Um, that's a great place to go. But you want to have that, all that stuff mainly warm, you know, so mm-hmm. you want to have it right there. But if you want to, you know, there's um, Margaret Island. Island is a great place to go um, for a walk, for, you know, they rent out bike rides. There are a few large pools there. Uh, talk about large pools, but I took my niece and my sister and I went there uh, this summer and they had like four large pools with different themes. Like one of them had waves, one of them, you know, like an active wave going, one of them had um, healing water, 
One of them you could do uh, laps at. And all these places have some kind of a food hall. And also on Margaret Island, there's different people. And actually, that's one of my favorite ice creams. I had a mango ice cream right in front on Margaret Island. (laughs) That was just spectacular. Sounds awesome. Uh, So a lot of those places, you have vendors selling stuff or restaurants selling stuff. You know what I mean? You mentioned the pools that you went to with your sister and your niece. And when I think of Budapest, one of the things it's most famous for are the spas and the thermal baths. And yes. if, if I was a visitor going there, where would you tell me to go to really experience it in Budapest? I mean, in, up by, um, in Galeta, there's, you know, there's a, a number of famous ones. Really depends where you're located. And, you know, there's a few situated. There's one um, at, near the public garden Sechenyi uh, food. So there's a, a few of them, and, and yeah, they're known uh, for their healing waters. Um, even in wintertime, people go. And do you just sit there and kind of soak it in and relax? Is that what yeah, the vibe I mean, is you like? Yeah, you can get a spa. You can do laps. Uh, you know, there's different things that you could do. Uh, you know, there's some of these most famous ones, but they're really located all over. You know, the one that uh, that we went to. Yeah, people sit around, they read the newspaper, or they have their smartphones, and they talk, and life goes by, and they solve the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, you know, a lot of these places have a sauna. Sounds like a sounds like a bench in, in a town in Sicily, you know, <laughs> yeah. guys talking, you know, and figuring out the world. And before we, we go to Sicily, let's Let's talk about some of the drinks in Budapest and Hungary, because I was reading about this and uh, palinka, which is kind of a fruit brandy. Oh, my God. Tell me about this. Okay. So it is some kind of a brandy. And it, you know, it's almost like wine. There's different, different regions make different ones. There's different fruit flavors, like, you know, there's cherry, there's... um, See, now I'm thinking in Hungarian. <laughs> There's uh, apricot, which is very good. Uh, plum brandy is spectacular. And uh, it's called the a stomach opener. So you have it like, you know, like before dinner to open up your stomach so you become hungry. You take a little shot. Uh, a lot of peasants, you know, peasant towns, they... Um, you know, take a shot and then have lunch or they have it after lunch, like an after dinner, uh, something. It's very strong. It's very potent. It's very delicious. If we, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, if we go out into some of these, um, rural areas, would people be making their own palinka? Yeah. 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 For sure. Absolutely. Just like wine. It's, they make their own. Brent, I forgot to mention in our street conversation, one of my favorite, two of my favorite dishes. Tell me. One of them is lecho. I can't believe I forgot lecho. Lecho is this pepper, onion, and tomato stew type of thing made with lots of paprika. And you can make the spicy paprika or the sweet paprika. Because you know in Hungary, everything is about the paprika. In the fish soup, there's plenty of paprika. In chicken paprikash, it's not only chicken and peppers, it's tons of paprika. <laughs> and then the other, and, and that, by the way, that dish, you know, it's become, you know, they serve it in restaurants. But really, if you go 
to the rural areas, to farms, that is a meal right there. So people would make a big batch of lecho, put it in a bowl, steaming hot, and with a piece of bread and a glass of wine, and it's a perfect meal. One pot meal. Exactly. Or you can put a lecho on top of chicken or on top of anything else. Um, the other one is that I that I failed to mention is the mushroom stew, which of course is made with lots of paprika. Again, <laughs> you know, mushroom. It's almost like sautéed mushrooms, onions, tomato. People have their different versions. So, yeah, those two things. I, in fact, I just made it last night. <laughs> it's a, it's a natural to use all types of peppers and tomatoes here in Sicily, right? So yes. abundant. But what kind of spice do I use? Only Hungarian. Okay, so that's the question. How much room do you leave in your suitcase for bringing back jars of paprika when you visit Budapest? Okay, so I am a sauerkraut and pickle and spice and paprika and vegeta fanatic. So, oh, and, and sausage and salami, because there's nothing like Hungarian salami. It's just different. It tastes different. It's made different. Here in the supermarkets in Sicily, there's a, it's called the, um, you know, Hungarian salami, but it's the Italian version of how to make the Hungarian salami. It's not the same. So every time I go, I put buy, you know, I buy the sweet paprika, you know, and the paprika comes in uh, powder, the sweet, the, the um, cheapish, which is um, hot. Uh, I bring plenty of vegeta, which is a cooking seasoning that I use in soup and ch on chicken and on, on all types of things. Also in the lecho and every other uh, meal, plenty of winter salami, uh, plenty of kielbasa. And this time I brought some smoked kielbasa. So, you know, they do a lot with smoking, smoky flavors. It's very popular. Um, of course, a palinka. So, yeah, plenty of room for that stuff. And since I was going for Christmas, I also brought home a typical Hungarian um, candy that is put on uh, the tree called Salon Tsukor. And, you you know, come different flavors come in different colors and it's very festive and you hang it up on the tree. And so I brought lots of that home too. So you have all this stuff you bring back and you keep it in your kitchen and you cook with it all year until you run out and then you have to go back to Budapest. When you have friends over and you cook them a <laughs> meal and maybe you sneak in a little Hungarian paprika or yeah. a little Hungarian this or Hungarian that, do, how do the Sicilians react to that? Do they go, oh, this is interesting? Or do they go, oh, that doesn't go in there? What, what's the reaction yeah. that you get? That's such a good question because every household has a different recipe. And, you know, for our You, Me, and Sicily episode um, that you can find at youmeandsicily.com, we've published 52 episodes on the history, people, place, blah, 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 culture, and lots of cooking uh, and food uh, demonstrations. And, and you know, we'll get a local person to do, let's say, a caponata, make a caponata. You bet. There's 50 comments on, I never use this. I've never heard that. Well, what about this? Why didn't you put this? Blah, blah. <laughs> different regions, different regions. Everyone has their own kitchen. 
from town to town. They may have a different version from city to city, Catania and Palermo, nothing, you know, they don't make stuff uh, the same. So I think for Sicilians, it's almost like, oh, okay, well, this is Esther's kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> this is how right? she does it. <laughs> but, but I don't, I do not, I do not, well, actually, I should say, 99% of the time, I do not, if I'm making a Sicilian dish, I don't use Hungarian ingredients. If I'm making a Hungarian dish, like I did the lecho, the only stuff that comes from Sicily are the fresh produce, the, the peppers, the onions, the tomatoes. Every single spice that I put in there, I brought from Hungary because it really makes a difference. So, you know, even when, you know, when we make the you know, Alfred's famous pasta sauce or the sugu, which is, you know, sauce with with sausage and meatballs, blah, blah. No Hungarian products go in there. <laughs> now, now, when, you know, cooking for myself, I'll put anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great how you describe that, Esther, because I, I always say, Karen and I always say, whenever we visit Italy, whenever we visit Sicily, we always say our, our quote is, it's up for discussion. And what that means is, whatever the topic, it doesn't matter. Someone else will come in and give their two cents worth. It doesn't matter if right. you know them or don't know them. It's up, And we always say, okay, it's up for discussion, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Exactly. So let's talk some more about Sicily because, of course, you're based in Catania and your video series, You, Me, and Sicily, I, I said this uh, when we did our first interview back on episode 18, You, Me, and Sicily is one of my favorite, favorite web series, and I try to keep up with it as best I can. It's so, you've got, you said, over 50 episodes now. What's the newest thing on You, Me, and Sicily? The newest thing on You, Me, and Sicily is an episode on Scacciata. 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 So a lot of people in the United States would know scacciata as meat pie or vegetable pie. And, okay, so scacciata, our friend Francesca and Graziella, they have a uh, shop and they sell all types of ready-made meals, some vegetables, fruits, you know, everything. And she makes scacciata year-round. So two, three times a week, you'll go down there and she'll either have whatever's typical for the season because there's you can always make meat pie. But scacciata, you can make it with cauliflower, you can make it with broccoli, you can make it with spinach, you can make it with whatever vegetable is in season. So, but typically in Sicily, you have scacciata during the Christmas up to the Bafana, which is Epiphany. And what they do is, you know, like December 24th, Christmas Eve, they'll have scacciata. It's an easy food to eat. And then you can go to Midnight Mass or you have scacciata on New Year's Eve because, you know, you, you have a lot of little treats during Christmas Eve. And scacciata is an easy, you know, you can eat it standing up with your hands. You don't need you know, a lot of forks, knives, all that. And uh, scacciata is, is, you know, made up till the sex. Like in the episode when I was over there filming um, how to make scacciata, they were like making 30 pies, 30 pies of two pounds each, which is uh, two pounds, two kilos, which is four pounds each, like every day. Like she starts at 4 a.m. and goes. And so we, we go through the recipe, you know, it's like a two-layered uh, bread and in the middle you have a layer of, of whatever vegetable could be spinach and you have black olives 
Um, then you have a little bit of tomato, um, tomato uh, puree, not tomato puree, uh, tomato chunks uh, with uh, olive oil salt, and you put dabs on that. Always put cheese, always put lots of <laughs> olive oil, lots of olive oil, and then you bake it for an hour. But really anything can go in it. You can put ham, sliced ham on top. You can put tuma and sardines. Tuma is um, one is a cheese type that derives from, um, you know, from cow. Literally, you can put anything in the spinach pie. But that was a fun fun little thing that we uh, we just published. So these these pies, the scacciata pies, sound huge. Do they come in handheld versions too? Yeah, yeah. So what you could do, so the pie you make, so let's say um, we had a party here and we got a two kilo, four pound pie of cauliflower. We got a four pound pie of spinach. Then we got a four pound pie of uh, meat. And what <laughs> it's you a big do party, Esther. It was a big party. And what we do is we cut it up. We cut it up into pieces. Okay. So you don't get an individual pie. You order a pie, whatever amount you want, and you cut it up. Like in her store, when she's selling these pies, she has the pie over there, and then someone comes in and, you know, worker or something is having lunch break, and he wants a slice. And so she gives him a slice of scacciata. Esther, the scacciata, would you serve this at room temperature or do you get it hot out of the oven? What's the best way to serve the scacciata? I got to tell you, warm is so good. In fact, we had plenty of leftover scacciata and I froze some of it. And then taking a you know slice out here, a slice out there and putting it in the oven, it's even better. You know, and you, you put it in the oven, warm it up a little bit and and the flavors had had a little time to men, meld together. So, um, you know, and I like it crispy the way she makes it. It's, you know, it's not crispy, crispy. So I put it in the oven even days and weeks after and, and it's still delicious. So I would say warm, but you can eat it at room temperature, of course. Esther, we're coming up on the Festival of St. Agatha. She's the patron saint of Catania. And this is such... I've. I've only experienced this festival secondhand watching your posts on Facebook and whatnot. But can you describe this festival? Because this is really one of my favorite things in Sicily. And one day I have to experience it firsthand. Yeah. I mean, it is probably one of the most amazing Sicilian festivals I've ever been to. And we've, you know, we've gone to, you know, a few, uh, probably a dozen or more, because as you know, every town has a patron saint. Uh, but the patron, the queen of this area, the Catania area, is uh, San Agatha. And Brent, did you know it is the third largest religious festival in the world? No, the third I have no idea. largest religious festival in the world. A million people descend on Catania, and it's celebrated February fourth and fifth, but. For weeks leading up to the celebration of San Agatha, there's all types of events happening in Catania. So even if you're here, at, you know, mid to end uh, January, there's stuff going on because they're practicing for the main event. And the main event for two days from sunset to way into the morning hours, there's some kind of celebration of this very important saint um, for the Catania people. Um, and, you know, several times during the day, 
her uh, the statue of St. Agatha, and, and we did an entire episode on the story, the history, and, and the specifics on it. And can't remember which episode it is, but it's at www.youmeandcicely.com. All our videos are there. Um, but what happens is that the entire city of Catania streets are closed off and people come out in droves. And when her statue comes out of that Duomo, the main cathedral, people start screaming, they start crying, Viva San Agatha, Viva San Agatha. And the religious fervor that I first witnessed seeing when she came out, it's giving me chills right now, just thinking about what an amazing event. And it's it's real, young and old. They're screaming, they're crying, and there's a lot of the faithful <clears throat> dressed in white robes <clears throat> with a rope around them in black sandals and a black hat. And they practice for months. And they, uh, you know, the statue of San Agatha is put on a vara and it's carried around the city. And then, um, you know, there's several men that carry the actual vara. And they practice for that, too, by the way, because it is heavy. And then there's a rope attached to it that thousands of people dressed in white will do anything just for the chance to touch the rope, to touch the rope, to carry the rope in which that is attached to the uh, vara that holds San Agatha. And it's spectacular. And they go up and down the streets of Catania several times uh, during the day, and it finishes off with spectacular uh, fireworks. It is an incredible event. It is one of the most incredible religious events I've ever witnessed. And as with everything in Sicily, when there's a festival, you bet there's street food. <laughs> of course. And the my favorite thing about the St. Agatha Festival is the St. Agatha Cakes. So... Uh, and we go into the specifics of why these cakes are eaten. Um, but one of them is the Casatelli or the Minuzzi de Sanagata, which is basically a mini uh, cassata cake, which if you don't know what a cassata cake, it's like a, making it a little simpler than it is. But it's like a little pound cake with a lot of ricotta layers and then finished off with a, with a marzipan uh, sugary topping. Uh, with a with a cherry or something red on top to symbolize her breast because she's the uh, patron saint of breast cancer and others because her breasts were cut off during one of her tortures. But anyway, that's one of the things that is typical during the festival of San Agatha. But for us here in Catania, that is available year round. The Minuzzi de San Agatha or the Casatelli. The other one is the Olivetta, which is a green um, olive made out of marzipan. And that symbolizes her time that she was hiding in Malta on an olive tree. But anyway. And if people are looking for those little St. Agatha cakes, those half dome shaped uh, breast cakes, I've seen them in Palermo. Um, you know, oh yeah, they're definitely around. They're everywhere, uh, they're and, and not just during the 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 festival season. No, we have it year round yeah. for sure, for sure. And, and you know, it's uh, unfortunately it's it not fortunately, but you know, it's become cassata cake. Let's let's face it, cassata cake. You know, the big cake, not just these little small domes, are eaten for festivals, for 
birthdays, for during Christmas, during Easter, during, you know, it's, it's a year round uh, specialty here in Sicily. But I just love the ritual of having, you know, you've got this festival and there's this certain dish that you eat on that festival, on that festival day. It's just, there's something very reassuring that that's going to happen uh, every single year. And I'll put a link to your You, Me, and Sicily episode about the Festival of St. Agatha because I think everyone should see it. It's really, it's, it's really quite exciting. Thank you. I went back and I listened to our first episode that we did together, Esther, and I realized we didn't talk about one of the most spectacular cities in Sicily, towns in Sicily, uh, Terramina. Talk about this because I know you have a love for this city. Yeah. Well, Brian, to be quite honest, I have a love for every city. <laughs> it's, like, it's because, and the more I see it, you know, we've been here, I've been here now, this is my sixth year, and I still haven't seen all of um, Sicily, but certainly um, Goth, the famous writer, said to have visited Italy. And not having seen Sicily is like not having visited Italy at all. Well, I say visiting Sicily and not having visited Tarmina is like not having seen Sicily at all. It's a must-do. It's just one of those must-do. Yes, definitely. Uh, it is very touristy. Yes. You know, and a lot of people say, oh, it's too touristy, it's too touristy. Yes, it's too touristy. It's too touristy because it got discovered decades ago as being the pearl of of this area. I mean, it's just beautiful. The views are beautiful. Um, you know, there's a Tarmina bottom, there's a Tarmina top, you know, there's the, one of the most famous Greek amphitheaters is located right there where the, um, Tarmina film festival is held. Famous people go there all the time. It's a must do. Are the prices touristy? Yeah. You're, you're paying more than you would in, in Catania and other areas for everything. But it's just one of those things that you have to do. If you love shopping, it's a definite must-do. The course on back to bed, I gotta tell you, the prices in those stores are not that bad. I find a deal every single year here and there. You just have to, you know, kind of know where to go. Um, but there's everything for sale. The one thing I don't like, especially in Tarmina, there's a lot of uh, places with the Godfather theme. You know, but that's expected. It's 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 commercial. It's capitalism. It's it's you know money making for them. So, but more so than you know maybe other places. They, there's a lot of little stores selling st that stuff. Um, Tarmina also has you know the Isola Bella, the beautiful island um, that is now a, you know, sort of a national park that people go swimming in. There's just a lot to do, lots to see, um, very strong history. Uh, Termina throughout history was critical because it's halfway between Messina, halfway between Catania. It's up on top of the mountain. So for uh, protection, every single conqueror, you know, made sure they went up to Tarmina. And in fact, the walls of fortification can be still seen all around Tarmina. We're talking hundreds of years old, uh, hundreds of years of, of, of hundreds of years, excuse me, thousands of years. The first uh, settlers, the Greeks, um, came to Sicily in 734 BC in Giardini Naxos, and they looked up, they arrived at the port of Giardini Naxos, they looked up and saw that hill, uh, you know, by the water across the port. They're like, oh, we need to get up there. 
we need to set up fortifications so we can see what what invaders are coming, right? You know. And when you get onto that uh, piazza that overlooks the sea, you can totally see how their thinking was operating because right. you're like, oh, you can see everything from here. You know, and, you know, there's some really great restaurants, really, you know, the BAM bar, the famous BAM bar, Granita, year round, all types of seasonal flavors. Uh, we also have a few other uh good restaurants, but, and, and there's just lots of little treasures. And again, we did a whole episode on what to see in Tarmina because it's much more than that main course. The public garden is beautiful. Yes. You know, there's the side streets that are just incredible. The ancient gymnasium, the walls with the more heads. So there's just so many things that throughout the years, you know, um, doing these episodes and giving tours, private and group tours, um, I've got to really learn and know pretty much every corner of that city. So you and Alfred operate You, Me, and Sicily. You do the web episodes, but you also have a tour company that does these fantastic tours all over Sicily. What have you guys got uh, coming up in 2020 for You, Me, and Sicily tours? So we've got several set tours, like group tours. We have one uh, May 12 to 22 that's going to be on this side of the island. And <clears throat> you know, there's going to be cooking demo, wine tasting, the Infiorata, the Noto uh, Flower Festival will be going on and we'll be going to Tarmina, Catania, Ortigia, all those places. And of course, having a lot of good food because coming to Sicily, it's all <laughs> about the food experience. Of course. Um, and then we have a summer in Sicily touring out of Castellet Mare del Golfo, where we'll be doing a lot of the West Coast, the Palermo, the Montreal. Uh, we'll also be doing Shaka, not Scacciada, Shaka. <laughs> <laughs> They're spelled very similar. Um, Shaka, Mazara de Valle, Suggesta, Salami. So we'll be doing that on that side of the island in June. Then in September, we have a fitness and food tour. Okay. Where I say fitness, but I mean like, okay, we'll go to Etna for a hike. We'll have maybe one yoga class. Uh, you know, we'll have one activity a day, but it will mainly be around, um, you know, food and wine. And then uh, in October, we have a wine and culinary tour see the little themes here yes Brent? very much food and wine wine and food <laughs> <laughs> so aside from that uh we have a lot of um private tours that we're uh doing so you know people contact us and say you know my family's from so and so can you put together a program where we visit our ancestral home plus some of the main attractions so we do a lot of those and we have a lot of day tours. So people contact us all the time. Hey, we're coming to Sicily on so-and-so day. Can you take us here? Can you take us there? Can you make arrangements? So we do all of that. Give us the website so when people want to come to Sicily, they'll know how to get in touch with you. So all our video episodes and all tours on Sicily are at www.youmeandsicily.com. That's www.youme and Sicily.com. Perfect. Thank you, Esther. It's been a pleasure talking to you again on the podcast. And 
I, I think, you know, Sicily is such a rich place and there's so much to explore. I have the feeling we're going to be talking again real soon. Um, thank you so much for being on the program. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And, and Sicily and Hungary and Hungary. <laughs> That's right. So much to see there as well. And look for a, a, a Budapest tour coming soon. Oh, really? Now, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, you know, I was going to actually tease you about that and say, you know, Esther, you should do a Budapest tour. And here you are already doing it and planning for it. So we will look for that and uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely put that on the website when uh, you guys go live with that. Perfect. Brent, thank you so much. And thank you for listening, everyone. You know, I could talk all day with Esther. There's always something cool, some delicious delicacy on her mind. And seriously, if you love Sicily or you're thinking of going there, the first thing you should do is check out You, Me, and Sicily on YouTube or her website. And how exciting is it? She's got a new tour coming up in Budapest. We'll let you know when that happens. And speaking of websites, check out my redesigned website, DestinationEatDrink.com. You can listen to the podcast there or check out the 40 or so foodie travel guides I've written. Each one goes into depth on the food and drink and fun things to do in a different city. And I've just put up foodie travel guides for Charleston, South Carolina and Turin, Italy. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Next week, it's Samba and Beaches and Carnival in Rio. That's right. We're off to Brazil next week. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.